Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Snakebird. Hey, welcome listeners to another engaging episode of the Snakebird Podcast. We're just a couple of weeks away from Easter Sunday and we've decided to dedicate the next four episodes of the podcast to solely focus on Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Now this first of four might actually actually feel like a continuation of episode six titled, Is Jesus a Legend? Well, because it somewhat is. And that is examining the validity of Jesus's claims to be who he says he is. Yeah, Josh and I recognize that in the minds of some out there, there's barriers that have to be broken down before getting to the meat of the topic. And like he said, in episode six was kind of our first domino in this line with, Is Jesus a Legend? We looked at the actual existence of a person named Jesus in history. And if you haven't checked that out, we encourage you to go look at it. But in this episode, we're going to look at the character of Jesus, the Jesus who did exist. And if you think about it, you know, the name Jesus really sparks a lot of different reactions among people, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Uh, Anything from joy to disdain Mm -hmm. to disbelief, all of it. Some people roll their eyes and others use them as the main character in a musical. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or a curse word. That's true. No kidding. So while there's a lot of opinions and emotions tied to Jesus, today we're going to look past the common chatter and focus on the facts. Was Jesus a liar, a lunatic, Or is he exactly who he said he was, the Lord? Wow. See, I didn't realize this, but it was famed theologian and author C.S. Lewis who posed, um, through the use of trying to to use logic, he posed this trilemma saying, is he a liar or is he a lunatic or is he the Lord? And if he's not one or the other, then he has to be the third. Mm -hmm. But what we realize is that we needed to deal with it as a tetralemma, which is four things. And it was legend, liar, lunatic, or Lord. And that's why we took that first episode six uh, podcast to deal with the legend of saying, no, he wasn't a fictional character. (laughs) And yes, we believe that he had all of his attributes, his miracles, who he says he is, God, all those things. Yeah, it's a very scientific method. Get your lab coats out as we dissect (laughs) this from, but you really, there are, there's barriers that some people need broken down and this is just part of the process, we believe. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to that one yet, I encourage you to go back and check it out, but you're gonna catch a little bit of the paraphrased version of this as we move forward. Mm -hmm. So with that as our intro, why don't we jump right in and we're gonna deal with the first one, Right off the bat, was Jesus a liar? That's right. There's a lot of people that I have seen online that make this exact claim. And when I think of a person that is lying in the type of position Jesus was in, I think of a con man, um, someone who has a thought out agenda, deceiving people in order to gain, whether it be power, wealth, fame, Um, Stuff like that. So if I'm going to ask the honest question, was Jesus a liar? For me, I must first ask why. What was the benefit and motives for his lies? Yeah, I I was considering that myself because everybody has motives for telling lies. And Mm -hmm. I found a list of nine motives for telling lies from a top psychologist, just a few off the bat, um, to avoid being punished. Which yeah. we know that in the long run, he still bore our punishment. Yeah. 
um, to obtain a reward not otherwise readily available. But what did he get from it? Yeah, a that's, a, of, that's a good point. A lot of disdain. Because <laughs> we got hindsight now, so we can dissect this. Yeah, um, so it, the list goes on, and we can we can kind of break that down. But yeah. what would be his motivation if he were to be a liar? Well, that's a valid question, right? I mean, Jesus was being held up by a ton of people that easily could have started an uprising, mm-hmm. if you think about it. To what end was all of this happening? Power, money? And so uh, let's, I guess let's just take a look. Um, let, let me come at it from this angle for my end. Um, for a second, let's talk about prophecy. The following prophecies are ones that Jesus was born into, and the insinuation being he lucked out by simply being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's look, and I'm going to move really quickly through this. So the Jews from the very get-go were expecting a flesh and blood Messiah to be born and deliver them. And the scriptures that prophesy this, Genesis 3.15, Isaiah 9.6, Isaiah 7.14, we know these, for a child will be born, uh, behold, a virgin will be with child. Mm-hmm. They were expecting this. So that's one thing Jesus could have just said, well, hey, I'm the guy, yeah. you know, because those are easy to fulfill if he was born kind of in the era. Mm-hmm. So the Jews were also expecting this flesh and blood Messiah to be born from the tribe of Judah. This is something else that Jesus wouldn't have had control over. If he was just born in the tribe of Judah. And it gets a little more specific with that one. But let's just say that Jesus looked into this one too. So they were also expecting this Messiah to be called from Egypt. And as we see in Matthew 2, 13 through 21, that happened too Mm -hmm. by the will of his parents. You know, well, really by the will of God. But at this point, we're just going to throw that out for Mm -hmm. devil's advocate reasons. But so let's just say... Jesus, sometime around puberty, started to think to himself, wow, isn't it convenient that I was just dealt four aces in this poker game? Yeah. You know, logical, logical thing to think about here for a skeptic. You know, the kings brought me gifts, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, if that's not miraculous enough. Yeah, Micah (laughs) 5-2, right? Exactly. Yeah. So let's just say from this point, Jesus just starts counting cards. He purposely went into the temple at 12 years old to show off. He purposely rides on a donkey on Palm Sunday. He purposely flips tables in the temple. All of these things prophesied. Mm -hmm. Say that he starts doing it on purpose from that point. Assuming that Jesus was able to mastermind this con starting at childhood and persist with it until adulthood, let's just look at a few of the remaining prophecies that he would have to completely roll the dice on and be at the mercy of sheer luck on as he goes to die for this lifelong prank. So, rejected by his brothers. He doesn't have control over who rejects him. That was prophesied in Psalm 69, 8. He will be hung on a tree, prophesied Deuteronomy 21, 23. No bones broken, prophesied Exodus 12, Numbers 9, Psalm 34. He will be accused by false witnesses, Psalm 27 and 35. Have hands and feet pierced. I mean, how are you going to guess that one? Psalm 22, Zechariah 12. Soldiers gambling for his garments, prophesied Psalm 22. Buried with the rich and numbered with transgressors, Isaiah 53. Sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11. I could keep on going for a long time with these. And these are just a few that he fulfilled with 100% accuracy, of which he would have no control over in regard to outcome. So you're saying that he'd be like luckier than Bugs Bunny? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe even smarter than young Sheldon if he concocted this plan from, like, age 12 and on. Exactly. It, it's, it's a man, to say going out on a limb is an understatement. Yeah. Because there's just so, so many. And I, for me, um, when you start doing the whole ratio thing, it's, it really breaks down. Yeah, to me, to conclude that Jesus was a deliberate liar doesn't coincide with what we either know of him or of the results of his life and teachings. Wherever Jesus has been proclaimed, we see lives change for the good, nations change for the better, thieves become honest, alcoholics become sober, hateful individuals become channels of love, unjust persons embrace justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I found this quote. Historian Philip Schaff says, A character so original, so complete, so uniformly consistent, so perfect, so human, and set so high above all human greatness can neither be a fraud nor a fiction. The poet, as has been well said, would in this case be greater than the hero. It would take more than a Jesus to invent a Jesus. Have you ever heard that line before? I haven't. No, that's good, It would good, take though. more than a Jesus to invent a Jesus. Oh, well. It's so true, though. I mean, even though some skeptics might try to take the stance with the first, um, the way we presented that, you just can't add the rest up. You can't. It's simply, this should be very interesting to a mathematician, I would think. Mm-hmm. And it has been to mathematicians like John Lennox, Peter Stoner. It's it's a very interesting dilemma. It really is. And I, I of course, we don't think that he lucked into this or uh, just happenstanced onto it. But I have to ask, you know, as we talk about, like, what if it was not Jesus being the liar? What if it was the disciples or the authors of the Gospels? And mm. later on in the New Testament, what if they were fabricating all of this? I have to believe that the more that they started to um, try to blow things out of proportion, the further it would get out of reach of what they could control in terms of lies, because we know lies beget other lies. And pretty soon it's a house of cards. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good observation because I, I think when you say that of even Lee Strobel, the journalist, that he didn't believe in any of this until he started investigating it, and it was that precise point that you just made that really took him and was like, "Wait a minute, this is adding up to be facts." Wow. Yeah. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I had another quote that I wanted to share. It's the same uh, historian. He says, how in the name of logic, common sense, and experience could an imposter, that is, a deceitful, selfish, depraved man, have invented and consistently maintained from the beginning to end the purest and most noble character known in history with the most perfect air of truth and reality? How could he have conceived and carried out a plan of unparalleled beneficence, moral magnitude, and sublimity, and sacrificed his own life for it in the face of the strongest time of prejudice of his people and age? Oh, yeah, that's good. And that quote's going to kind of make it hard to move into lunatic here in a minute, but... (laughs) Yeah, I had one last thing that I thought we should mention, because when you talk about people that are deceiving... um, have you ever heard of like the the modern day people that claim to be Jesus? I have, yeah. And have you ever looked any of them up on the internet? Or I mean, or... I've heard the stories, but I, I they I don't look into them too deep. Cause... You don't really want to give them credence. No. I mean, I I saw one in a, like a Time magazine, and the guy 
was forced to be carried around by people or he was forcing people to carry him around and very just odd circumstances. I think he was in South America. And, um, you know, I started to look at like one of the things that I saw was top reasons for deception. So here are the three. And you can tell me if Jesus had any of these. Okay. So number one, financial greed. Absolutely not. No. No. Jesus wasn't wealthy. And think about what he encouraged people. He's like, count the cost before following me because this isn't for the rich and famous. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that our Lord and Savior had so much in common with um, maybe a couch surfer these days, because that's where he, he said he didn't have a place to lay his head. Like, you know, a lot of times we don't know what the Jewish culture was necessarily, but I mean, they either slept outside or they stayed at people's houses. I mean, a lot of time he didn't have a place that he knew that he was going to be spending the night. It, he didn't have a permanent residence. Yeah. I don't think anybody that, that looks at scripture is going to come to that motive. No, not financial greed. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, number two, sexual desire. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. There are no recorded relationships for Jesus. Don't let Dan Brown fool you with his fictitious story of, uh, I forgot the book name even now, The The, Da Vinci Code. uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that doesn't exist. So don't let people out there say that Jesus had some sort of sexual relationship with Mary Magdalene. No. And you know what? That gets thrown around a lot online. Yeah. I see that. And I'm like, where are y'all getting this information? Because it's not, it's certainly not in the Bible. No. And it's not, I mean, yeah, that's that's not a thing at all either. Yeah. They were not married and, and golly. And look at Jesus' teaching too. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So financial greed, sexual desire. And then the third is power. Mm-hmm. And Jesus... Of course he was not in this for power. No. I mean, that was part of the reason that, like, Pilate was like, I'm not even going to, I don't want to even crucify you. Yeah. Because you say you're a king of a kingdom that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't see it. And he goes, so I can't even charge you with an uprising, like a revolt. Yeah. And, I mean, remember what we looked at at the very first. It There was a lot of people that... that were trying to raise him up because they were expecting a Messiah. Yeah, they wanted the kingdom. They wanted the government to rest on his shoulders Yes, right then. Yeah. And so there was plenty of opportunity for power. Yeah, and if he was in it for power, he would have been encouraging disobedience. He would have been saying, follow me and not mm-hmm. the Roman government. But And it wouldn't have ended on the cross. No. And that's what exactly, and you can see in hindsight, the things that Jesus said along the way, that was his motive from the very get-go, was the cross. Yes. Does yeah. that make him crazy? Well, that's a great question, because that leads us to section number two. Was he a lunatic? That's right. That's right. There's some people out there that say Jesus was just crazy. He's just nutso. And when I think of of lunatic in the sense that we're talking about Jesus here, my mind always goes to that scene in The Dark Knight Rises where, and I know this might be a little nerdy, but it sticks out in my mind when Alfred's explaining to Bruce Wayne the character of the Joker. Some men have no logic in their plans, he's basically saying. He says, some men just want to watch the world burns. And that's what I think of when I, when I hear this, um, this stance. In Jesus' case, I guess the critic would say that he just had no rhyme or reason, just wanted to see the world love. 
I mean, it's kind of a it's a weird stance to take. Yeah. But that's that's basically what's being said. You know, Jesus he didn't come with a sword yet. Mm-hmm. He came for the cross. So um, the idea of Jesus being a lunatic is just, um, you know, him being chaotic and teaching, cling. I would think he would cling to any publicity he could get through wanting to see the world burn, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, That doesn't make any sense to me. It it makes no sense because the level of lunacy is based on the size of the claim. And so when he said, I claim to be God— he has to either be God or he's a complete lunatic. Yeah. He's lying or he's crazy. Yeah. You think he would say, love your neighbor as you love yourself, potato. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Exactly. Something like the Joker would do. Yes. Something just off the, off the wall. But the truth is Jesus was very calculated in teaching, timing, prophecy, and most importantly, in love. Mm-hmm. Um, a sociopath or psychopath, they've been proven to lack a conscience or sincerely feel the type of emotions that Jesus clearly expressed in his teaching. Yeah, he was very savvy and he never contradicted himself. Mm-mm. There's no chaos in what he said ever. Yeah. All in all, where I end up is there's zero evidence pointing to Jesus as a lunatic. In fact, you've pointed out in other episodes how some of his parables that he laid out are considered some of the best best stories ever told because of the way he strategically laid them out. There's no evidence that I can see that Jesus was just crazy. Yeah. I I think I said it wrong in one episode where the, the prodigal son was actually called the best short story ever written by Charles Dickens. And I, I didn't remember all the details quite exactly, but to have an author of that acclaim to say that about, um, Jesus's story. Yeah. You know, That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was he was so calculated, so consistent in his teaching, in his timing, prophecy, all of that. It, it just there's no evidence, and it doesn't make much sense at all to say that he was just crazy. Yeah, I found this quote from psychologist Gary R. Collins. He said Jesus was loving, but didn't let his compassion immobilize him. He didn't have a bloated ego, even though he was often surrounded by adoring crowds. He maintained balance despite an often demanding lifestyle. He always knew what he was doing and where he was going. He cared deeply about people, including women and children, who weren't seen as important back then. He was able to accept people while not merely winking at their sin. He responded to individuals based on where they were at and what they uniquely needed. All in all, I just don't see signs that Jesus was suffering from any known mental illness. He was much healthier than anyone else I know, including me. Nice. Summed up by a psychologist. You heard it here first. Snakebird podcast, folks. <laughs> I mean, but no, seriously, it's, it's, very, um, it's very clear he wasn't crazy. Not crazy. Peter Kreeft had this to say, Jesus has in abundance precisely those three qualities which liars and lunatics most conspicuously lack. One, his practical wisdom, his ability to read human hearts. Two, his deep and winning love, his passionate compassion, his ability to attract people and make them feel at home and forgiven, his authority, and above all, number three, his ability to astonish, his unpredictability, his creativity. Liars and lunatics are so dull and predictable. No one who knows the Gospels and human beings can seriously entertain the possibility that Jesus was a liar or a lunatic or a bad man. Yeah, well put. 
We, I think when we, when we lay out what Jesus did next to um, lunatics that we do know of, like Ted Bundy or Charles Manson, who did attract some people, we see the end result of what happened. And yeah. it's very clear through not just that, but many, many avenues of looking at this, that there's no evidence at all um, that Jesus was a lunatic. No, none whatsoever. He wasn't a liar. He wasn't a lunatic. So let's bring it home. He has to be the Lord. Yep. By more than deduction, we're really left with the honest consideration. Is Jesus who he said he was? And the first question we got to ask is, who did he claim to be? Hmm. And I have a list of, of things Jesus claimed to be. I'll start off. He claimed to be the Son of God. In Matthew 26, 63, he claimed to be the giver of eternal life. John 10, 28. He claimed to be a forgiver of sins in Mark 2, 10. And, and this one, this one is really awesome to me. He, he claimed to be the great I am. Yeah. In John 8, which, man, that says so much. I mean, the attention in that verse. Mm-hmm. It's really incredible. Right. Um, he claimed to be the door of salvation, John ten nine. He also claimed to be the savior of the world. Not many know about that one, but that was John three sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that no one comes to the Father but through him, John fourteen six. And those are some amazing claims. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about Matthew 16 and where he turns to his disciples and he says, who do others say that I am? And they say, well, we think that you're Elijah. We think that, you know, you're a prophet, you're a good teacher. And he goes, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes through all those, those I am statements, you know, I am and just showing like the Jewish people and even the Pharisees, I am who I say I am. The neat thing is he has the power to back it up. Yeah. You know, it, who Jesus is, is precisely why he is so attacked. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's an accountability issue. But that's that's who Jesus is. He is all of those things. And he's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. We got to, we got to see him for who he is. He's not a great, he's not just a great teacher. You cannot separate the two. Yeah, that's so true. And this week, as we were preparing for this, I felt God lay this on my heart. It was really interesting. So, um, let me, let me just, um, add this at the end here. Uh, I've heard it said before, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I'm not sure exactly who came up with that. I've heard Einstein, but I find that quote helpful because the nature of humankind regarding our separated state from God has been repeated just like that quote. So I found an article that I believe really speaks into the deeper issue of all this. And you may have heard of this recently, but 
Um, there's a town in the UK that has a terrible problem with crime due to the actions of heroin addicts who are breaking in people's houses to support their habit of heroin use. And the police commissioner and state have employed a new strategy in attempts to cut down on the crime. What they've done is they've set up centers where addicts can come to legally inject heroin up to three times a day, hoping to discourage the addicts from stealing to get their next fix. And that is fascinating to me because they're doing even more of the wrong to try to fix it. Hmm. They're going, they're and I know that it's not directly related to Jesus, but it kind of is. As I read that article, I really felt God showing me the nature of humanity, how we've always attempted to enter from some other avenue, constantly rejecting Jesus. No, he's a, we can't trust him. He's a liar. He's a lunatic. He never existed. Um, some other tactic, some other means, some other idea, some other savior. They, we, we as humans always try means that will never work. Mm. And um, I don't know if that resonates with, with anybody out there, but Jesus has always been the only way that will fix us. He's, he is the cure to our cancer. He is the chain breaker, as you pointed out yeah. in, another, in another episode. But I, for me, as we start to move away from these critical ideas of Jesus and start to accept the reality of him, I really hope and pray that you, the listener, can grow in the knowledge and love of God through the only avenue, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. I, I really feel like that's well said. And I'm so thankful that this show is an episode that's coming off the heels of our last episode, Can the Bible Be Trusted? Because I feel like they just correlate and work so well together that you have to have the foundation of Scripture in order to have the trust that you can say, Jesus is Lord without any doubt, with 100% assurance. And that's where we hope that you are at today. And um, we want you to be able to put your trust in not in what we're saying, but what in God said. And so um, if you're finding yourself having any questions or anything that you'd like to to reach out to us about on any of these topics or anything, really, um, feel free to reach out. You can connect with us through our website. There's an email. It's connect at bsnakebird.com. Send us an email or send us a message through Facebook and we'll respond to you. Yeah, absolutely. If and by all means, if there's something that you need more clarification on, get get with us. We would love to reach out to you. Uh, we will get back to you. And uh, don't forget, guys, the number one way you can help the Snakebird podcast get out there if it's benefited you is to share us with your friends, one, on uh, whatever platform, social media that you're on, and give us a good rating so that more people can hear um, the Snakebird podcast. That would be fantastic. Uh, we're a community. If you need prayer, please submit those prayer requests as well. And uh, again, submit maybe topics for discussion. Um, we will be focusing for the next three weeks, the next three episodes after this, on uh, Jesus and the cross and what it means to us and why it's uh, so amazing and, and why the cross is so powerful. But um, we are also looking to, to connect with you in, in terms of what you want to talk about. So, listener, always remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow Jesus. 
and be a snake bird. Snakebird.